Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. We're talking healthcare today, April 25th. I'm your host, Christine Hargis. My usual guest, Todd Campbell, is taking a well-deserved vacation, so instead, joining me in studio today is Motley Fool healthcare analyst, Shannon Jones. Shannon, it's the first time we've ever done a show together, and I am thrilled to have you here. Yes, not nearly as thrilled as I am, Christine. So excited to be here on the show with you today. Awesome. We're going to be digging into Biogen and its most recent deal with Ionis, but first, let's kick off with some discussion of a topic we heard some demand for on our Twitter account, at MF Industry Focus. Some developments for the largest cannabinoid-based drug maker, GW Pharmaceuticals. Shannon, what is the latest? Yeah, so uh, last Thursday, uh, April the 19th, 419, not 420, <laughs> GW Pharmaceuticals had an advisory committee meeting, and that meeting actually turned out pretty well, pretty in favor of the company. It was a unanimous positive vote for their drug Epidiolex that is under has been under review for severe forms of childhood epilepsy. Which is great news for GW Pharmaceuticals. Typically, the advisory committee meeting will happen before a PDUFA, particularly if the FDA is looking at something that is a novel type of drug or if there are any other sorts of questions surrounding its approval where they want a little bit more guidance from a a full panel of people that are experts on the topic. Typically, they will follow what the uh, advisory committee decides. A study of these decisions that were made between 2007 in 2010 noted that the FDA followed its advisory committee's advice 74% of the time, and only three out of 120 times overruled a no committee vote to approve a drug. So, a little bit of context about the fact that this is a very good sign for this drug, which would be the first time that a cannabis-based drug could potentially be approved in the U.S. Exactly. And one thing just to underscore for our listeners is that FDA advisory committee meetings are tremendously educational. Um, for anyone who's never watched one on TV, they they broadcast them live on the webcast. Um, not only do you gain insight into the merits of a drug's application, but really, and what I think is even more valuable, is that you get a sense of how the FDA reviews an application, and where are the deficiencies. You can learn so much from those committee meetings. Just like you said, Christine, it's an expert panel of key opinion leaders. Um, It's the FDA and their top reviewers. And then you also get to hear really um, touching patient stories as well. So highly recommend that. And in the case of GW Pharmaceuticals, pretty rare when you get a unanimous positive vote um, from an FDA advisor committee as well. Yeah, and I do think that people who were watching were expecting this because of some documentation that was released prior to the committee meeting. So on Tuesday of last week, a background document to be used in the meeting was released, and it appeared to support the drug. It talked a little bit about the risk profile of the drug, particularly as it compares to the drug's efficacy, and ultimately came to the conclusion that the risk-benefit profile that was established by the data appears to support the approval for this drug, which treats a couple of rare forms of childhood onset epilepsy known as Dravet syndrome and Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. 
Exactly. And and really, for the children that were involved in the study, it's important to note, um, these were very sick children. Um, there was one patient in particular whose mom referenced that she was having up to 40 to 50 seizures per week um, before taking the drug. And during the trial, it actually dropped down to a few and even none for some weeks during the trial. So huge benefit. Um, in particular, the advisory committee panel um, looked at the merits of their efficacy trial. Um, which they saw it met the primary endpoint of reducing seizure frequency from baseline, showed a 40% reduction there. And even uh, more importantly, when we talk about uh, efficacy, you also have to balance that with the risk. And uh, in this study, there were some some ad- adverse events. Um, specifically, the, the biggest one was some liver toxicity concerns. Um, but really, the good thing there, and of course, with any drug, there are going to be some side effects. Um, but the side effects that were seen, A, can be monitored, and B, can be managed. So I think what you saw from this panel was that overall, the risk-to-benefit profile was favorable for the drug. Yep, absolutely. And particularly when you consider epilepsy drugs, many patients become resistant to them over time. They come with a huge side effect burden. And when you look at the patients that were in this study, many of them had failed multiple, multiple different epilepsy medications. And so when you compare what these these patients had faced as their prospects uh, to what they experienced when they were actually in this trial, it looked extremely favorable. So if you consider what this drug could potentially do on the market, right now its addressable market is roughly 20,000 children. But if you want to get really optimistic about this drug's potential, There are 2.4 million Americans that are affected by epilepsy, and that means that it actually kills more people than breast cancer does. So this is a huge market that doesn't really get a lot of coverage, but it it really is it's enormous. And so some peak sales estimates that I've heard can reach up to half a billion dollars for Epidiolex if it does actually hit the market, which I think brings us to our next point, which is. If it's approved, let's assume that it gets approved. Right now, that's looking extremely likely. The PDUFA is on June 27th, so that's the latest that we'll hear hear a decision. Commercialization is still a question. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, pricing models right now are suggesting that the drug could go upwards of 20000 a year, um, really in line with some of the other epilepsy treatments that are out there. Um, but, and two, even before I go further, it's important to note with Epidiolex, um, it's really based on what's called CBD, a cannabinoid. Um, CBD is one of hundreds of ingredients that are found in marijuana. It's not the psychoactive uh, component that tends to, to bring to mind when the effects of being high on marijuana, so to speak. Um, so for these drugs, there are already um, some synthetic forms of CBD already out um, that patients have been using. Of course, this could be the first approved, but also, too, there's competition that is looming. So Zogenex has a non-cannabinase, con, non-cannabinase, non cannabis-based drug uh, that cleared phase three in Gervais syndrome uh, as well, and that'll be a key competitor to watch. And so when you look at what this means ultimately for GW Pharmaceuticals, this is a company that's seen almost a 20% boost to its share price in the last month alone. A lot of that jump happened last Tuesday when that advisory committee document was released. 
and there actually surprisingly was very little movement to the stock when the decision was made, even even on the news that it was an, a unanimous decision, which is an interesting detail. But when I think about this company, you look at its its drug portfolio. It has Sativex, which is approved in the EU for multiple sclerosis. And then it has Epidiolex, which we've already addressed some of the concerns about it. Um, this company seems like right now everything is going well for it, but I think there are still some question marks. And it's a $3.8 billion market cap company. So, Shannon, let me know if you disagree with me here, but it sounds to me like this company still might be a bit overpriced just based on the hype around marijuana stocks generally. Yeah, totally agree there. Um, I think with the $3.8 billion market cap, I believe it brought in about $12 million in revenues from uh, Sativax, since it is already approved in the EU. Um, granted, with with GW Pharmaceuticals, um, they are pursuing a third indication for Epidiolex right now as well um, for a, a rare genetic disease that also has a symptom of epilepsy as well. So it certainly could have some growth potential long term. I think right now, though, there's still a little too bit many question marks for me to consider this being a good point to jump in. Yeah, and I think when you look at what GW Pharma is doing, it kind of begs the question of what is going on in the broader marijuana space, particularly in the medical marijuana space, since this is the healthcare show. This would be a very important milestone for medical marijuana if this drug was approved. Marijuana has been used off-label, meaning not officially sanctioned by the FDA, for years to help patients with epilepsy. And this could even potentially lead to a reclassification of that drug in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think even more importantly, this this really sets the tone for medical marijuana going mainstream. Um, if this drug gets approved, it'll be the first of what I think will probably be many. Um, but I think getting the validation of the FDA really puts these medical marijuana companies on par really with other biotech companies. It's no longer just a marijuana company. It now becomes a formidable biotech competitor. Absolutely. We'll be right back after a quick break. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. As promised, we wanted to dig into news announced on April 20th that Biogen is striking a new deal with fellow biotech Ionis Pharmaceuticals, expanding their partnership with a $375 million upfront payment to Ionis, as well as the purchase of a $625 million equity stake that's worth roughly 9% of Ionis's outstanding shares. Shannon, the deal is worth a total of $1 billion. What does Biogen get in return? Yeah, yeah, good question. So, Biogen will be getting two candidates in clinical stage right now from Ionis from this large deal, plus up to seven more. Um, really, with the focus being on Ionis and their anti-sense drugs for a broad range of neurological diseases, as um, we've talked about on the show before, Biogen is really um, refocusing itself on neurology um, and really focusing and re-strategizing itself to that, this deal really cements their, their strategy moving forward. 
Yep. In addition to this upfront payment and the equity stake, they'll also be paying for the development and commercialization of these drugs. And so, Ionis really just has the royalty payments and the milestone payments. And when you look at the grand sum of this deal, it looks to me like Ionis is getting a great deal here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say this is a huge win for Ionis. Um, they'll be responsible for identifying the anti-sense drug candidates based on selected targets, while Biogen is really doing the heavy lifting. They're going to be taking it from development to commercialization on, but really Biogen is, is going to be using them as the contract drug discovery platform. And so Ionis gets to focus. They get to up their milestone and royalty payments. I think Ionis wins here. Absolutely. And I think it's fairly indicative that Biogen is not in a position of strength here. Biogen needs growth desperately. Their core business is aging. It's multiple sclerosis franchise, which has historically been the bulk of its revenue and still comprises two-thirds of its sales, is on the decline. They recently reported earnings, and that core franchise is down 7% year over year. At this point, they're more or less relying on a single Alzheimer drugs to, to pay out which or to pan out, which if you look at the history of Alzheimer's drug development, is not really a safe bet. Exactly, exactly. Over 90% of drugs fail in Alzheimer's. So the stakes are quite high. Um, so it's a huge binary event heading into 2019, which is when we'll get the earliest readout in, the, in Alzheimer's for Biogen. And so not only is the MS franchise declining, you've got this huge event, very high risk event coming up. And then two, Spinraza, which has really been carrying the weight for Biogen, um, took a, a big earnings hit uh, this past quarter as well. And not only that, there is competition looming. So, um, as we talked about, uh, Michael and I, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Novartis picked up Avexis. Avexis um, is planning as early as 2019 to come out with the first gene therapy for SMA, the same space that Spinraza is in. Um, and so, not only do you have this threat, from the MS franchise declining. You've also got huge high risk, and now you've got a huge competitor coming on the scene. And Biogen really doesn't have anything in the short term to make up for it. Spinraza, our listeners will recall, is another drug that Biogen partnered with Ionis on. And that was really the star of the earnings report. That is what analysts were looking most closely at. And disappointed a good bit. If you look at Biogen's overall earnings, the miss was largely due to Spinraza, which was roughly flat quarter over quarter, which that's not what people were expecting. Uh, you look at the dosing schedule for this drug, and it's extremely front-loaded. In your first year of treatment, the drug will cost you $750,000. It's $375,000 after that, which, yes, $375K is a very large number, but it's not nearly as large as 750. And so structurally, this drug is set up to make a lot more money when patients first start treatment. And so that's exactly the crux of the issue here, is that fewer patients are starting treatment. 
Only 280 patients in the United States started treatment in the first quarter. That was down 33% from the fourth quarter, meaning the previous one, and down 50% from Q3 before that. And Biogen highlighted some overseas growth in patient starts, but truly, sales growth is dependent on these high-paying U.S. patients. So, going forward, they're going to need to expand their reach a good bit more beyond the very sickest infants and children to reach folks with less severe forms of the disease and to reach adults. And whether or not they're able to do that to start more patients at that same high price point is a humongous question mark, and that's without even considering the similar therapy that you mentioned from Avexis that inspired uh, Novartis's $8.7 billion buyout earlier this month. So, overall, the stock is down about 30% from highs reached earlier this year. Where do you think that leaves Biogen? Yeah, I think it leaves a lot of question marks for Biogen. Uh, They just paid a billion dollars for access to preclinical candidates, not guaranteed revenue. Um, Still, investors are going to be wanting uh, some sort of deal that brings mid to at least late stage candidates into the pipeline. Without that, I don't see many opportunities for the stock to go up from here. And I think that's why it's one of the cheapest large biotechs out there. On a forward PE basis, it's trading for just under 11x, which puts them neck and neck with Celgene when it comes to low valuations. And anybody following the industry knows that there's been a heavy amount of pessimism surrounding Celgene right now. Truly, I like Celgene's prospects a lot better if we wanted to head to head them like that, but that is probably a discussion for another day. <laughs> Shannon, this was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Always fun. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Dan Boyd today. For Shannon Jones, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!